I'm Scott. And I'm Seth. And I'm hungry on track walking. You're eating on track walking again. Well, you say again, but like this is my dinner though. Yeah, that just, uh, really, that's just poor planning. I mean, if you say this is dinner and the last time it was dessert, so somehow that justifies it? Well, yeah. In my mind, dessert can be had whenever. So I chose to eat dessert on the podcast, but tonight you ha- I need to have dinner, and that is right now. Okay, that's probably true. Uh, I made you start recording because um, you're running around with your hair on fire, doing all the things, eating dinner during the podcast, and that yep. seems like like something we need to talk about. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the amount of time that I have to work on the car is limited, uh, and some more things were, some unexpected things were wrong with (laughs) things on the car, which have led me to have to kind of scramble a little bit because the car Something's exciting is happening to the car, but it has to be um, pretty much ready to go at the beginning of February, and that is not very long from right meow. Do you, do you get to tell me what exciting is happening, or do we wait for not, like a social media review reveal? Yeah, not on the podcast right now. I'll all right. I'll talk okay. about it afterwards. Uh, I, I will trust you that it's exciting because uh, the car is pretty again and it is, it you you want to make it work and that's in that in itself is exciting. Yes. Um, I just since, got done with all the suspension bushings. That sounds fun. How many of them are there on an NB Miata? In the rear, there are two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight per side. So 16. Eight per side. In the rear, yes. Okay. In the front have uh, one, two, three, four, five, five, final answer. So 26. That's a lot. Yeah. It's a, it's a few. The, the old bushings have been on there for three years. And bushings are a wear item. So. Yeah, they are a wear item. So got some new ones, put them on, and marine grease is very sticky. It's so sticky. So <laughs> go through like 20 pairs of gloves because like once you get grease on them, like you can't take them off so the outside's on the outside because you can't. Right. Grab a hold yeah, you of can't re- you can't reuse them. You just have to flip them inside exactly. Out. Yeah. So it's like if I need to grab a tool or like another control arm or something like, you, gloves go inside out and they go in the trash. And then of course the amount of brake cleaner is absurd. Yeah. So can you not use sphericals on uh, GLTC cars? You can. 
Um, but you would just have to spend money? Yeah, although, I mean, I spent a decent amount. Not still about 40, 50% less than Spherical's. Um, but that still may yet be a thing in my future. You know that Spherical's are better, right? Yes. Okay. Just so we can yes, I know. put that out there. I want them. Um, part of it's part of it's downtime. I don't have the amount of downtime to be able to send because the the only kit that's really made for the Miata, you have to ship them your arms. And okay, and they do some machining on them to press them in. Yeah, and they basically do it so that the install is correct. Uh, because when they had first released them, they were just sending out the the spherical, and they were having issues. Um, just with the installs and people not installing them quite correctly and having to come back anyway. So they just said, all right, you just send the, us your stuff and we do it and we send them back. All right. Put that on your list of things to do, Spheracles. It, Be that guy. Oh, it's it's there. I've sort of gotten uh, addicted to all the, the needle bearings that are in the 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 rear suspension of motorcycles every time i take them apart i'm i'm sort of blown away that that sort of technology just comes on a crappy dirt bike um it's pretty neat stuff yeah so tonight i stopped over because i needed to have my oil pickup bracket reinforced so I stopped by a uh, shop local to me, Abbott Auto Performance, I believe. Um, but they're fellow Grid Life people, and um, he made, made and welded up a bracket for it and made and welded up a extra baffle in the oil pan that was added in the later K-Swap oil pans that mine didn't have. And so here we are. And that is why I'm eating while on a microphone. So you think all the oil is going to do what it's supposed to do now, even though arguably it was doing what it was supposed to do before. Yes. Maybe. But for reasons I don't want to say on the podcast, things were a little screwy. Yeah. So it's one of those while I'm in there, because if I don't do it now, then the entire motor has to come out for me to take the pan back off. I don't want to well, do the, that stuff. Uh, the other issue is, and I think you and I both suffer from this problem, is if you if you suspect something is not right, it will yes. haunt you. Yes. I, peace of mind. Yeah. And and certainly uh I have I have motorcycle things. Like I haven't ordered the parts for the the things I have to fix on the endurance bike yet. Partly because I don't want to take stuff apart because the I don't want to break something when I take something apart. And it works right now. Um, the last time that one of the, the guys on the team took the took the suspension off the Grom, um, he found that the upper fork tubes were bent. It's got an inverted forks on it, and the upper fork tubes are bent. Not a lot, but some. And so his argument is, okay, we definitely need to fix these because it's a tube sliding inside a tube. There's no way a bent tube 
works. And my argument is, actually, it works fine because we didn't know it was bent until you took it apart. And it works fine. And I don't think we're going to make it better by taking it apart. And I mean, arguably we might, but. But the biggest difference is now you know about it. I know. That's the thing. Except I, I can't tell when I ride it. No one else can tell when they ride it. And so what are we, we're not fixing something that's broken. We're just fixing something that bothers us. Something that's suboptimal. Yeah. So I have to order those parts and I have to fix it anyway because the whole team wants me to, which sucks. It's terrible. Blame, blame it on your teammate. Uh, yeah, that's okay. At least none of them have, we, we had a team meeting like a month ago and they were all on this, this ad horsepower bandwagon, which sounds dumb to me. We, we won the class handily. We got third overall. Why do we need to, to take apart the motor and, and add horsepower? And um, so a couple of them, their job when we left the meeting was to research options for adding horsepower. And none of them have done that yet, which um, I think is fantastic. Because if they don't come up with ideas, I don't have to take the motor apart. Seth is shadow puppeting the team right now, just willing <laughs> them to mediocrity. Well, I, I I gave the bike to the other team members and told them to go ride it. I said, ride it as much as you want. Just don't fall. I mean, don't like make it worse. And so they've been doing that for, I don't know, three weeks, almost a month now. And um, so the longer they keep it, the less, I mean, I can't work on it. So, yay. Here's hoping. Yeah, I'm a terrible, I'm really a terrible team principal right now. And I, the other thing is I keep trying to sell them the motorcycle and nobody wants to buy it. It's pretty terrible. Well, why own something you get to ride when somebody else can maintain it and take care of it. It's literally the argument they've all made. You are you are your own worst salesman. I know. And I've bought this motorcycle twice. So, um, yeah, it's pretty horrible. I'm an idiot. I did it. I finished my dinner. I'm so proud of you. Oh, that was really fast, too. <laughs> you give yourself indigestion doing that, Scott. Isn't that what the all the old women said? I'm not, Don't eat so fast. You'll give yourself indigestion. I'm not that old yet. Yeah. Yet. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, so um, I wanted to talk about managing emotions and your body in a race car or on a bike. All right. While trying to go very fast. All right. That's, <laughs> I got to th- yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's one of those things where I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to admit a whole bunch of stuff if we talk about this. Oh, uh, yeah, probably. I know. Well, I'm not sure I need to admit anything, but. Oh, I, I do. I've been pretty open about my neurotic behavior. <laughs> I wouldn't I say know, neurotic, but, so, but just like, yeah. So everybody, everybody knows that I'm kind of reluctant to, not reluctant to get back in a car, but I have a huge drive to get back in a car right now. And I think you have more drive than you think too, but all right, continue. So, so part of the whole controlling emotions thing starts with the fact that 
literally every time I have pulled a car up to grid on track, every time from the first time I did it, every time on one lap, everything, I, I pull the car into grid. You get up there and the car's sitting there, usually running and warming up and, and you go to put your gloves on. Um, usually I don't have gloves on until I get in grid. And as I'm putting my gloves on every single time, I think I shouldn't be here. I should just drive away right now. And I have never pulled up to grid and not had that thought. Only in cars? Um, it it was like that in motorcycles initially. Um, the first couple times I raced, I, but arguably I really like didn't have enough experience. I was right on the edge of being maybe a little bit safe, but there's no reason I should have been there. Um, I don't feel that way on bikes anymore. Like even when I'm, when I'm on the starting grid flags about ready to drop. Um, usually I'm like, ah, oh, I don't want to go to the first corner, but I feel like I'm like, it's an okay place for me to be. Um, and when I've got leathers on, I'm ready to swap riders and endurance rides to feel just fine. Um, but every single time I've been in a car emotionally, I want to scream in my helmet and run away. So when, when do you recall you being comfortable on a bike? When was the first time that you recall not having that particular emotion? Partway through the first season of endurance racing. Um, just sort of when things were going well and I knew I could ride fast enough that, that I could do the laps the team's team needed to win. And so there was no pressure to ride outside my comfort zone. If I did laps within like two seconds of what I was comfortable with, we would be just fine and we'd win. And so all I had to do was go out and circulate and not run over anybody. That is one thing, like, your most of your riding kids bikes has been with a team i I mean yeah I, I do as many endurance days as I do sprint days um because we do you know we do weekends in general, but Saturdays are the sprint days or Saturdays are in the endurance days and then Sundays are the sprint days, so maybe the fact that I go do an endurance race with the team to sort of break myself in on the weekend by the time I'm doing sprints, I've already had a day of racing and, and achieved a good goal. Had supports. I've, I've done something right. No matter how it's worked, I've, I've done a th- that thing already. Yeah. By the time I'm ready to go do sprints. Yeah. Um, but I also feel like sprints don't really matter. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Sprint racing is not like, like I like sprint racing, but, but the result doesn't matter. Um, if I go out there and I win, which I very rarely do, or if I get fifth, um, I just kind of like, I enjoy riding around in a sprint race environment. Usually, um, it's kind of fun to do, to do six laps and see you get, you've done races that are six laps long. And, and it's kind of fun to be like, yeah, race, 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 done. Um, but I don't have any emotional investment in the place that I finish on. But you also don't have any wheel-to-wheel sprint experience in a car, correct? Absolutely not, no. Okay. 
I've only done I've done time I've done time trial. I did three yep. or four weekends of time trial, um, yep. but have not done wheel to wheel in a car. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard kind of hard for me to do like an apples to apples comparison between the is, two. It, is that because you don't think tiny motorcycle racing matters as much, so we can't really compare right I, across? I think Are you've you, convinced yourself of that. No, but people can race in GLTC with the same attitude that I have, which is, you know, I'm going out to have fun with my buddies. Yes. And whether I finish 12th or 22nd is not really relevant to whether or not I go have fun with my buddies. Totally agree. Because that's, that's really how I race, right? Like, I, I want to have a good race with people. Finishing position doesn't matter at all. Right. And what I think, like, you in a car, which has been primarily time attack time trial stuff is i feel like you probably have more expectation about your performance in that environment rather than going out and playing with the buddies i'm not sure i've ever that's not true there's been a few times when i've played with a car on track most of it is like serious feeling yeah um, I, I think you're a very basically this this is my thought is I think you're a very communal person that needs like a group around you to perform well even if it's you know regardless of position finishing position or result but it's either got to be like a team off track next to you or people racing around you but I think like most of your car experience has not been the same as your motorcycle experience. Do you think I'd have more fun in cars if I went GLTC racing with friends of mine or went yes. and did Sunday cup or yes. something like that? Yes. It's an interesting theory. Thanks. Or WRL lemons champ car or something like that. Get a team together or yeah. join a, join a team would be the easier easier part yeah i don't want to build a race car right now no but yeah i think uh i think that's probably the the thing is my thought so yeah we were talking about emotional stuff and that's so when we're talking about emotional stuff in a car like that's where it starts with me from the first thing my my brain says i don't think i want to be here before i go out on track but that's hard to overcome it's it is (laughs) So, um, so is that like, do you catch yourself having that same emotion while on track? Not usually. By the time I'm through like the second corner, I'm focusing on driving. Okay. Um, I enjoy it while I'm there. Um, it's a little bit like, it, it's like running. Like I cannot get excited about going running but I enjoy having gone for a run. And there are times when I enjoy the act of running, but I don't like to get ready to run. Like, I don't, I'm never like, yay, I get to go for a run. It's always like, ah, running. Sure. And then I'll like running. And I always like that I have gone running. Um, And I think cars are a little bit like that prior to going out. I'm I'm this bundle of emotional energy and self-doubt and all of those things and most of that washes away during the 
during the laps. And certainly afterwards, I'm, I'm usually very happy that I went out. Um, but it's hard for me to talk about the emotions of track driving without acknowledging the fact that that's where, that's where I am in my helmet prior to going out. Yeah. So when you're on track, what are, you know, besides just being focused in flow, you know, being right there, when do you catch yourself, I don't want to say zoning out, but finding your mind wandering just a little bit or being aware of something stupid that you're doing or something like that? I genuinely dislike the um, the period of time prior to a braking zone because it gives me time to to really think about what's coming up and sort of go, okay, where am I going to break? Where am I going to break? I'm going to break up there. Okay. Are you ready? Are you going to break and break? So long long straightaways. Yeah. Yeah. Long straight. And the slower a car you drive, the longer the straightaways are. Um, Yep. So uh, yeah, those, those long straightaways where I'm, where I'm waiting for something to happen really give me time to think about what I'm going to do next. And, and so I'm not operating in that part of my brain where I just, I, I do things. I think about doing things. And when I think about doing things, it puts me in a different state. Um, what does your, when you're, on a straightaway coming up to a big braking zone or something, what do you feel your body do? Because this is something that kind of the, the heart of what I want to talk about is that when we're having emotions that is presented in our bodies somehow. I think I'm actually pretty good at relaxing. I'm probably not as good at breathing as I, as I should be. Um, That's something I've been working on a lot on the bikes, making sure I take, like solid deep breaths on, on straightaways. Mm-hmm. Um, because not breathing is always an issue. Um, I'm actually pretty good in, in cars mostly because the, the cars I've been driving are so slow. Like you, you shift into whatever it is in most of the cars, like fourth or fifth. And like, you've got time Yeah, <laughs> and you look at the gauges, yep. adjust, your, adjust your gloves, notice a spot on the window. Like there's time especially attract some somewhere like NOLA, right? Like yeah. there's, let's stop and think about it. Like I could read a book on the straightaway. There's so much time. I, so I'm, I still I'm, remember the straightaway at high planes. Um, one year super up high. So, you know, the motor's not making quite as much power and just like the second half is kind of uphill. I mean, it just felt like forever. The one where you've got the left and then the, or the right and then the downhill left. Yes. So the, the back straight. Yeah. So that, that comes to my second part. Like I'm pretty good at once the car is in whatever the top gear is going to be and accelerating and sort of at terminal velocity, sort of like collecting myself for a second, but there's always a rising panic. Um, so for you, it's almost when you have, time not doing anything that's when your brain tries to sabotage you yeah if if i'm if i stop acting automatically and start acting intellectually 
uh, it usually goes badly. So that must be why go-kart tracks are so good for you. I mean, you just literally never stop turning. <laughs> yeah, well, it, at, at the track, right, there's there's the two tracks where I go to. There's the what they call the pro track, the big track, and then the track that they drive the rental carts on. And we go, do, we do take the motorcycles over to the rental side, and there's one straightaway that's kind of a two count long and everything else is corners The you're you're back and forth and moving and you never stand the bike upright except to transition to a thing and um that kind of riding where there where there are no pauses is a is a different thing to do um it, it's i want to say it's like autocross because it's not like autocross at all but the autom- the automotive equivalent of that is usually autocross right there's there's no moment in autocross where you're not actively doing something um and when you go track driving there are moments where you're just accelerating and waiting for the next thing to happen so have you ever had something bad happen to you while going into a big break zone have you nope. ever had a traumatic experience under brakes nope okay so why does it bother you now it's just i think I is, think, is it the brakes itself like are you worried about making the corner are you worried about hitting your mark or is it just the fact that you have time to think about something and it's usually I, before a break zone I think there is a a huge part of me that um, there's probably a lack of self-confidence thing. Whenever there is a thing that I can do wrong, I worry about it. And if I give myself time to worry about a particular thing, I will worry about it. Um, probably you could, you could link 98% of all the time I can't fall asleep at night to me thinking about the thing that I might do wrong, whether it's with something, right? It's a, a, a decision-making thing. Did I make the right decision with this? Will I do that correctly? Yada, yada, yada. To a greater or lesser degree, even if it's down to things like cleaning the garage or, you know, things I have to do or things I have to fix or, you know, all of the, the riffraff of life and kids and marriage and, and all that nonsense, um, give me a, a, a choice to worry about and I'll worry about it. And I think coming into a breaking zone, I have enough time to think about the choice that's coming up. You know, am I going to, am I going to break earlier? Am I going to break later? Am I going to try to rotate the car? Um, I have to downshift going into this. So am I going to try to heel toe this one? Cause that's a little bit tricky. Um, you know, I give myself a, a, a second to to contemplate a choice and then a little bit of panic sets in. So you said that that exhibits physically through your breathing only? Um, are your hands gripping the wheel tight? Are your shoulders? I always work on, re- like I work on relaxing. In those moments, it was one of those things that, that I did figure out when I started driving cars, even when I had the Cadillac so early on driving cars, like, like I am physically going to relax in this moment. Um, maybe some of that came from driving cars with three point belts, because when you hit the brakes, you have to tense your whole body. 
Um, yeah. You know, you're, you're going to go forward. You know, you're, you're using your hands to brace yourself. The easiest time I had with that was in uh, Brian DeFries' Civic when we, we got the good belts in it. And being able to stay relaxed, physically relaxed during braking was a huge thing um, because I never really experienced that before. I mean, I had a little bit in a Civic that I had, but like that was the first one where I was in a good seat that fit me. I was in a, a proper seating position and like I didn't have to tense my arms during braking. Um, it didn't get rid of the indecision prior to that moment, but I think it kept me more physically relaxed going into the corner. But really it was only that one, one lap that I drove that car set up like that. So, right. Yeah, for me... I, especially with, um, I, I try to bake this into students as early as possible is any straightaway just as important for me as like beginning of breaking points, turn in point, like track out, like any point on track that you want to remember and you want to try to hit. I want people to look at their gauges, take a deep breath open up their hands and pull their shoulders back and down. And generally what I find is that that helps because almost when you're driving the car, you become unaware of your body, right? Like you're just doing the task and you are, you're using your body to do the task of driving, but you become unaware of what it's feeling um, what it's doing and that, and you have to take yourself out, um, to be able to train yourself like out of flow. You have to take yourself out to be able to train yourself how you want your body to be. And generally what I find still is on a straightaway when I take a deep breath and a great sign is like, if you take a deep breath and it feels really nice, probably means you <laughs> You're breathing pretty shallow, <laughs> right? Uh, which which happens to me. Um, if you open up your hands and you feel your your hands are kind of hurt or your forearms are sore, you're holding on to the steering wheel. You're gripping on for dear life. Same with shoulders. That's probably my biggest um, naughty naughty. Is I definitely strain against my um, my harness. But you have to bring yourself out of that to become aware of it. But as you do, that can also tell you about your driving and about your mental state. So there are several high-speed corners where I would notice myself coming into them. I would kind of take a half breath in, and my shoulders would tense, and so would my arms. <laughs> Uh, which makes it very hard to drive. Um, makes it hard to feel what the car is actually doing. Um, but it was ultimately because I was nervous about high-speed corners. Um, you know, this one or two in particular. And so becoming aware of that, kind of saying it out loud, writing it down, like on your track map, you can actually put, all right, so I'm going to track out here, going to then put the car here, shift here, and then I'm going to take a breath in, 
And when I start breaking, I'm going to slowly breathe out. (laughs) Something like that. Like you almost need to get a routine if you have a hard time um, doing that. Coming into big breaking zones. Um, Not so much for me that it like has, that I have too much time to think. But that big breaking zones, I've had some sketchy moments under braking and I finally have a brake system that works and I'm on the cusp of being able to trust it Um, but I drove long enough with subpar brakes that I I have trust issues (laughs) (laughs) Um, so again like for me you know I was kind of being aware of that it's like man why is you know, it's it's hard like I, I'm just not really able to focus or like take in like what's happening when I'm here and most likely that's because I'm nervous about something and what happens when you're nervous about something is your brain uh, limits its function so you know your field of vision gets really narrow your breathing gets super shallow your body tenses up usually in driving it's your shoulders and your core uh, you grab on to anything that you can because you think that's going to save you. Um, you know, that's, and that's from like infancy is your, the, the hand tensing stuff. Uh, so yeah, all of that can be helpful to help. Sh- There's symptoms, but the symptoms are pointing to something. So, you know, so just breathing deeper, just relaxing more doesn't, help solve the problem the problem is is you're scared or you're nervous or you worry a lot or something like that that's the problem or that's the thing to take a look at does that make sense it does um because that's when i'm when i'm riding good on the motorcycle is when i'm relaxed um and it took me a long time, like thousands of laps to practice relaxing on a motorcycle. Um, and I don't know how to do that in a car. Of course, I haven't been in a car in a couple of years. Maybe I can do it right now. Maybe I'm just, maybe I'm fine. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. It's, yeah, even like physically, it's, I mean, it's a very, even if you can equate like getting into your leathers as getting into a race suit, like you crawl into a car, not onto a bike, and then you have the whole harness thing, which is very foreign on a bike. Yeah, except I've been in you know I've been in go karts. I've done a couple hundred laps in go karts in the last year. Um, I'm not nervous getting in a go kart, really. Which is the first time I'm thinking about the fact that that I actually don't. I just sort of get in the go kart and I go out on track, and I don't know. If that's because the you know driving out of the covered pits and and on to to pit out or pit in pit out on the on the track is something I've done you know ten thousand times it's it's the most familiar thing in the world um I've driven that more times than I've driven out my driveway at my house in the last twenty years and so I don't know I'll have to think about that the next time I go in a go kart the fact that that I have that I'm not I'm not nervous when I go in a go-kart. I just sort of go drive it. 
Um, Probably and my ability. Point. So how, how I've been saying a couple times that I, that I think I could use a go-kart to get ready for one lap. And I think that's partly because by the end of like the second lap, you know, I can actually feel the tires coming up to temperature and I can feel the brakes coming up to temperature. And then I can feel myself being able to move weight around in the cart better. And all those things that I want to feel in a car all the time. And it usually takes me half a weekend of sort of mentally getting my shit together to be able to do those things. I'm doing by the second lap in a go-kart. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if, I guess I have to get out in a car to figure out if, if I've, like past some magical thing by doing a million laps or if I've, or if it's that track or what it is. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, it could be familiar surroundings are very soothing. Um, Your reason for being on track, are you there to compete? Are you there just to do, do laps? Slide around and be silly. Right. Um, you know, again, do you know, you know, because it's a familiar place, you know, I think you could probably show some ownership and, uh, belonging to that place that would probably put you more at ease as well. Yeah. Yep. So emotionally, what are you emotionally, what are you doing when you, when you pull up the grid? Like, how are you trying to collect your emotions when you pull up the grid and you've got whatever five minutes before you roll out on a, on your warm-up lap. Yeah. Those I are, want to learn from you. Yeah. <laughs> you can learn about me. I, okay. I don't know if you want to learn from me. Um, yeah, th- that's a difficult time. What I like to do is uh, Becky and I do just like verbal. She'll give me a rundown. She's like, all right. Tires are, tire pressure set, lugs are good, car's good, and that's basically all I need to know. Um, we've gotten to the point where I can, I trust that if if she tells me that, we're good to go. So the car, I do not have to worry about. Uh, sometimes while I'm buckling in, I'll have like half listened to what she said, and I'll just need to like, I'll need to hear her say it again. So it'll be like... And you check the lugs. It's like, yep, they're good. It's like, okay. <laughs> I just, I need that like check. All right, good. Right. We can move on. Um, and I, um, you know, usually she doesn't uh, call me until I'm going up to grid. So I've got to keep a glove off. Otherwise, like <clears throat> my gloves are on. My shield is most of the way down. Um, I'm, I'm in. We're you know, there's nothing left to do other than hit record on the GoPro and start on the uh, Apex Pro, which a lot of times she has to remind me about the GoPro because I forget often. <laughs> um, but yeah, once I get up to grid, you know, it's about finding your starting spot if it's for a race. <clears throat> If it's for qualifying or practice, I've got like a set routine I do. But when I'm in grid, just sitting waiting, I do one of two things. I at least try to do one of two things. One is try to sleep, to be honest. Like I try to, you can call it meditation. You can call it 
<laughs> dosing off what whatever but like really trying to like shut my brain down uh, because if I sit there thinking I'll start like um looking around and and this is something I do when I get up to grid I, I should say this is I look at the two to three cars ahead of me and two to three cars behind me I like to kind of know who's around me and what their tendencies are stuff like that because starts are hectic and I just kind of like to know who I'm dealing with uh, first order but then yeah I, I either try to just shut my brain down just relax breathe deep um, calm down, take some deep breaths. Um, I have actually partially dozed off in grid, uh, on multiple occasions. Fortunately, when I hear all the other cars, like start to start up, I wake up with the starts, start the car and then we're going. This is why you can't race electric cars. Everybody would just drive away from you. You'd be napping. Just hear like a, (laughs) um, otherwise I'll drive the track in my head. Um, I'll just do a visualized start and kind of an ideal lap after that. Just kind of like my ideal start. Here's here is how I want it to go. Um, and then just usually doing like a time attack style lap in my head, just like ideal breaking points and um, turning how I want the car to feel, where I want it to rotate, stuff like that. So even though I'll be getting on track um, in my head, I will have already done three laps, something like that. So mentally I feel more warmed up. So this is what you do. I get that. This is what you do. This is Scott, super pro racer guy. This is what you do. Okay. But, but what are the, what are the circumstances that led you to going? These are the things I need to do. Because I can't believe the very first time Scott went out on track, he was like, I'm going to take a little nap and visualize. By the way, I've never actually been on track before. <laughs> oh, especially first race weekend. Like, right. I, I remember like even for race one on the formation lap, I'm, I'm sitting in there and I'm like talking to Becky. I'm like, how weird is this? Like, this is weird, <laughs> right? This is totally, this seems strange. How cool is this? We're about to go. Ra- oh God, we're racing. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's, so, back when I was professionally water skiing, um, I would get super nervous before I actually, like, go out for a run, because um, water skiing, you don't get a second shot at, like, when you fall, you fall. Like, right, so the there's, f- there's no, like... No, when you miss a buoy, you're done. I mean, right. you don't get... You don't get a mulligan. You don't get a do-over. Like, that's it. And that kind of, like, finale, like, one-and-done sort of thing, like, really messes with my mind. Like, you know, the need to be perfect. Like, nothing can go wrong. And so then I'm like, all right, time to put my foot in. And if my foot doesn't go in just the way I'm used to, it's like all of a sudden it's like, (laughs) oh, God, here it goes. (laughs) It's to go all downhill from here. Um. You know, if I jump in the water and instead of, you know, sinking nicely like you do, like straight up and down and ski, if you get just a little bit off or, you know, the water goes around just a little differently, you could like barely fall to the side. But it's like, oh, God, that happened. You know, it's just all these like micro aggressions of just like random things that 
felt like it was cascading. Um, and so I kind of found for me, like routine is very comforting. Uh, just being able to control certain things because in a wheel to wheel race, like you certainly control you and your car, but hopefully, yeah, hopefully. Um, but there's a lot of places you can't be if you don't want to hit somebody. Um, there's a lot of things that change and a lot of things that constantly move and shift. And, um, at least in my routine, if I can kind of keep my, my mind calm with the expected and the known is that then once it comes to racing time, I don't have that time just to worry about what if I'm just presented with what is and then I can deal with it. It's the what ifs without a routine that mess me up. So it's the same thing I'm doing. You've just found a better way to deal with it. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, it works. It works for me anyway. (laughs) Um, But yeah, but. You know, not all the time either. I mean, we had that, the incident at Gingerman where, you know, we were, had a good group of friends fixing the motor mount until, you know, the entire field was at turn five and six at Gingerman and I'm coming up grid um, because we, you know, had to button up the car. And so I didn't get that relaxing time. And actually I was... Like, I was buckling up in the car as they're, like, finishing tightening on the last, like, two bolts and then lowering the car and then just go. Like, I didn't get, like, a visualization. I didn't get, like, calming or anything. <laughs> it was just, like, get to the back of the pack and go. How did that make you feel, Scott? Um, the nice part is, like, again, like, I didn't have time to feel. And that is good for me sometimes. <laughs> So your whole routine is just giving you a a way to not have those moments of self-doubt because you're focusing on something else. I am treating myself like the toddler, the emotional toddler that I am, (laughs) and I'm totally distracting myself. Yes. All right. I'm self-soothing. I'm to that stage of uh, toddlerhood. Fantastic. Do you think having Becky on the on the headphones helps having another person there with you. Um, it did, but I found I was using it as a crutch and at the beginning and that it wasn't actually helping. I think it was actually exacerbating it. Okay. Because then I tried to mentally like shift problems to her for her to solve that problems that weren't hers to fix. Okay. Um, so over the seasons, I'm actually talking less and less to her, um, to the point where it's only like at the beginning and at the end of her, like before, like on the parade lap and maybe coming up to the finish line. That's about it. Um, where my first season for certain, like I'd be talking like not, not quite like narrating every single thing that happened, but like I was like filling her in basically. Okay. And that's just a huge amount of mental energy would go into that. And, but again, like for me, it was like shifting the emotional uh, work verbally um, 
and I don't want to say like expecting her to fix it, but like by telling somebody about this, I wasn't really making it better for myself. So that's been something that's gotten much better the last two seasons, really. You're maturing. I like that. Yeah. That's, yeah. You know, so. We, so we actually can, I think legally by the rules, we actually can run like a, a helmet communication system in the endurance racing. Mm-hmm. And we tried it one time at a, a practice day. And I found out that at least when riding a motorcycle, I cannot have a conversation with a person. Like, can't do it. I don't have the bandwidth to be able to deal with that kind Can of stuff. Can you listen? Like, does when somebody, like, at an appropriate spot with the appropriate amount of information, can you hear that? Probably if it was at the appropriate spot. I don't think we ever tried to break it down to the point where it was like, yeah, only talk to me, you know, when it's safe, if you will, like on the back straight or something like that. We just sort of, we had, we were both riding and we both had uh, these helmet communicators on. Mm-hmm. We were trying to talk to each other while riding. Yeah. And it was like, I, I cannot do this. Yeah, like, that doesn't work very well. Part of it is when I'm riding with a bunch of other people, uh, I am definitely uh, making noises in the helmet. Like, like I'm vroom, definitely vroom noises? like more like, ah, move, dang it. Ah, <laughs> and <laughs> like I'm saying all those things out loud. I am like a Looney Tunes thing. Um, you are. Yeah. And, and I do that. And I, and the guy I was with is like, could you stop please? And I'm like, no, I can't. This is how I ride motorcycles. This this isn't about you. Shut up. (laughs) Yeah. And I actually found out when I was, uh, when I was mountain biking with my kids a couple months ago, like I do when I'm riding bicycles, I do make motor noises when I'm having fun. Like, I actually do that on snow skis. Uh, (laughs) enough, like, um, I I either do one of two things. I sing the Indiana Jones theme song in my head <laughs> because it seems it just makes it seem so much more epic and adventurous when dun da 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 dun da da and I'm like jumping over stuff and like carving around people. Um you ever or, do it out loud though? Because I feel like out loud would be even better. Oh no, it's it's out loud for sure. Oh, okay. And I like to sing it like louder as I go by somebody. So maybe like <laughs> somewhere they're like that the Indiana Jones theme song is, <laughs> um, or yeah, I, I you know do like <laughs> stuff like that. Uh, anyway, it pleases me, which is basically one of my mo's. So yeah. yeah, no, my kids are like, are you are you making motor noises? I'm like, yeah. Are you asking questions <laughs> during your business? <laughs> Yeah, that's and that's something uh, Becky and I have learned too. Um, because again, like I'm enough of a handful for me to deal with, right? Um, alongside fifty other men and women, <laughs> it's, um, only tell me what is needed when it's needed, right? And in the fewest and most understandable words possible, <laughs> and in a calm collected voice like it's like actually being a spotter and coming over the radio is should be taken seriously i've stood next to becky when she's spotting for you in a race and like the calm professionalism she's she's totally like like she could work at the control room in nasa yeah and just totally tell astronauts what they needed to hear 
into the best voice. Yep. So if she's looking for a second career, I have no idea how she would get that, but I think she should go for it. Yeah. I, and that's, that's something like we've really worked on, um, is, uh, you know, there's spots on each particular track that, um, she can talk to me on. And if she can't see the track with our, uh, telemetry, she can see on GPS where I'm at and know when to talk to me. And again, like what message do I need to know and how to say it? Um, of course, if there's like a yellow or red flag that comes over immediately, uh, regardless of where I am on track, stuff like that. So there's just, there's key things that we've been in enough situations at this point that, um, we kind of have a pretty good, pretty good vibe down. So when we're talking about emotional stuff, um, I crewed for my, my friend, Scott, Mm. Maybe Scott. You're definitely Scott. Scott. He's 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 maybe Scott. So maybe Scott Scott. ran the ran the four hour cart endurance run um, by himself. By himself, I remember that. By he ran it again this year by himself, and we crewed for him. And um, we had to do some emotional babysitting. Well, actually, not. We just told him to shut up and do his job, which was probably not really good babysitting. But uh, about I don't know eight laps into the race he got into a minor altercation with somebody. They definitely like bumped him. Fight? No, on track. Oh, like, okay. I'm pretty sure he would have punched the dude if they weren't on track. Like, well, it's, it's cards. You could probably reach out and <laughs> hit someone. Yeah, probably. But he was, so he's racing in the, the heavy class. Um, his card is ballasted up, and one of the carts in the, whatever, the regular weight class, um, because they are, they're faster, second and second and a half a lap or something faster. Um, a guy was trying to get by him and just bumped him very inappropriately going into a, a set of S's. Um, and and actually, he put both of them into the dirt because he bumped him in a super crappy way. And this had consequences because it actually knocked his knocked Scott's rear bumper out of the bracket. We had a bunch of stuff to fix. But he came off the track and he was pissed, like fist fight level pissed at this guy and and we had to get him back in the cart and a way that was going to make him not hurt himself or anybody else and i think we i mean we eventually did it but that was only because we made him go back out and drive and we didn't give him any other options there was another technical problem with the cart that we had to fix uh, because he's a crappy mechanic and um, once we got like he was ready to throw in the towel, he's like, that's it. We're done. And we kept working on the cart. We got it working again. He lost like five or six laps. We made him put his helmet back on and we made him go out and race. And at the end of the race, he was like, I'm glad you guys did that. Um, but in the moment, he was this giant emotional ball of anger who wanted to throw a temper tantrum tantrum and and throw his gloves on the ground and quit and stomp away and we basically told him no um this is something you know i've i've watched formula one in car communication indycar nascar in car communication stuff and it it's a little comforting to me that professionals need to be babysat often far more often than i think is probably good 
Um, but things happen, they get riled up. And again, like depending on their relationship with their engineer and spotter, um, spotter's very calm. And it's like, yep, I understand. We can, we can talk about that later. Or there's, there are ways of like gently telling people to shut up and drive without like riling them up more because like if Becky were to tell me to suck it up buttercup and drive like well then I'd be pissed at her too and you know so then it's you know would compound itself but there are ways of just like yes I hear you and you have a job in front of you and I think even the next level beyond that um, which would be very hard to kind of do on the fly but like with your uh, maybe Scott is, you know, why was he upset? He was probably upset because he might have been doing pretty well and he was in a flow and all of a sudden this guy hit him and all of a sudden he's completely out of it. He's in the dirt. He has to come in. He felt like he was doing well and this guy was pretty rude and broke him out of that. And so if if you can, like, get to that real core of why he's frustrated, why he's angry... And say, all right, I totally understand. He pulled you out of your flow. You felt like you were doing great. Get back out there. Go find it again. Go drive fast. Go get in that focused state. Go drive fast again. Um, which is a much more positive way of saying, shut up, let it go, and drive. <laughs> um, but I think like speaks to the heart of the matter. Like It's not just that what you're feeling is bad or that it's not appropriate like that's you you feel how you feel um but why you're feeling that i think that's the that's the crux of the whole thing so how does one deal with this emotionally when they don't have someone sitting on their shoulder to help bring them back in i think giving yourself time afterwards um to me it's almost like it's a backward progress is you have to have these situations and you have to usually deal with them poorly. Uh, again, either on track and or in at your job in a family setting. I mean, we do this everywhere. We handle how we are on track, how we handle anything else that comes up in our lives. Yeah, it's probably true. Um, but then afterwards, if you are thinking about it and you actually give yourself time to think about how you behaved, how you reacted like man i did not do that well and you come up with how you'd like to do it better basically what you're going for is shortening the gap between the event and you thinking about it about it and realizing it until you do something and it instantly you realize it and you can correct it but then you start to hopefully get ahead of it and you're aware, oh, this is the type of situation that led me to behave in this way. So going into it, I'm going to be a little bit more careful, give myself just another second before I say or do anything, et cetera, et cetera. So you basically go from working well after to right after to like the moment of to just before to like you're on the way. I think that would be what's considered progress to me. So I need to figure out how to, to relax 
in grid and find confidence in grid before I get to grid. Yeah, I would think so. Okay. Figure out how to take a nap in grid. Yeah, just close your eyes. I fold my hands in my lap, visor down, so it feels like I can hide because nobody can see my face. Yeah, you've got that cool guy tinted visor yeah, thing you, going you on. Need one. <laughs> you need one. It's so good. It's so good. Like it's it really feels like a superpower. Like you just put it down and it feels like nobody can actually see you. It's delightful. Yeah, my daughter my daughter rides, she got a new helmet and had a clear visor on it. Immediately she like was like, This is the best helmet ever, went home and ordered a tinted visor. Like yes. that was it. Yeah. Becky Becky got a uh mirrored visor for her her helmet this year as well. I don't know. I'm still the clear visor guy. I yeah. like having a clear visor. You can have a mirrored, like, non-tented visor. Like, it's like a That's 5% true. tent or something. Yeah. Maybe. Anyway. See see if that will help me emotionally deal with my, my grid thing. Couldn't hurt. <laughs> We are at Track Walking Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Track Walking Chats is the Facebook group. Um, we'll be back next week uh, per usual. So, yeah, be aware of yourself and your emotions as you go Make forward. Make them better. Yeah, be better. <laughs> I'm Scott. And I'm Seth. Have a good week. <laughs>